0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cyber Warrior Princess, episode nineteen. Uh, we never thought that it would happen, did we, Vic? We never thought we might actually last this long. No, and you know what? I've got—I've got to
1: tell you—when um, we hit record for some unknown reason, because we haven't done this for a, a couple of months, I held my breath. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so had- that's,
1: so I was I was unnaturally quiet because I thought oh we have to do that little quiet bit to leave a bit of dead air before we speak but I actually held my breath because I'd, I'd obviously got my reflexes mixed up <laughs>
0: <laughs> well just I guess just to reiterate we've completely forgotten how to do this so yeah expect a very sketchy podcast indeed <laughs> I know, but
1: we need to reassure listeners. We haven't fallen out. We've been keeping in touch and, and catching up and stuff, haven't we? But absolutely, there's been,
0: we've, there's been a lot going on. It's been bonkers. I mean, it's just been absolutely bonkers. The the everyone's like, oh, you don't commute anymore. There's so much extra time, you know, for people. I'm like, there's just extra time. They're cramming in more phone calls and things. I mean, I just life seems to have gone crazier than ever. <laughs>
1: I've got family members who have been furloughed and just kind of went off and learnt new hobbies and stuff like that. And and equally, I know people who've lost their jobs. And you know, it's it's an absolutely dreadful situation for lots of people to be in. However, you know, if you don't work in cybersecurity or or in that area, and you're wondering how it's been, um, guess what? <laughs> people who work in cyber um, haven't tended to have been furloughed. Um, they have been busy, busier than ever because the transition to remote working, um, the virtualization, the digitization of lots of people's businesses has meant that if you work in cyber, um, you have been hugely, hugely busy. So all of that not commuting stuff, um, it's true. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of juggling going
0: on, isn't there, Beck? I think oh, certainly on your time. side as well. Well, just a ton, I, and I think, yeah, like you said. So for anyone who's in cybersecurity, I, I feel like um, you know, folks will just be seeing that in the workplace front. And I think anyone in cybersecurity who's also, you know, like you and I, with a larger mouth than perhaps average, and <laughs> and, and prone to sticking our two cents in all over the place. My wife literally told me the other day she was like. Maybe it's okay. People know you'll show up to the opening of an envelope if they let you talk. It's <laughs> like, like, oh, that's so harsh, <laughs> but true. Which is, which is, which is, which is uh, do you know, it's one.
1: It's one of the things I love you for, though. Quite frankly, um, but I can't so this in it. It's fun to talk about security. Dang it! Of course it is. Of course it is. And but but I think we haven't had quite as many opportunities in the past as we have. In the last few months and that is why this episode is called Altogether Too Much Cybers.
0: Altogether Too Much Cybers. Yeah. Just too much too much of the working and bits and, and not enough of the fun bits, which is why it's been great that you and I have, you know, gotten a chance to touch uh, touch base. <laughs> In an opportune pause, there. Sorry about that. Mm. Uh, To touch base, (laughs) and to have a very much (laughs) looking forward to the virtual reality (laughs) version of our podcast recordings. (laughs) Oh gosh, but yeah, uh, and that's that's honestly saved me. I mean, saved me a couple times. I don't know if you are finding this, or you know, our listeners are finding this, but you know, being in cybersecurity, you kind of need other cybersecurity peeps to, you know, sort of moan about work and the craziness of the world and, you know, ransomwares and and things that you think are interesting. Because I got to be honest, you know, the spouse shuts down. I mean, there's just not enough interest there to listen to me babble on about it.
1: <laughs> I went out for, a, I probably shouldn't talk too specifically, but I went out for a, a, a walk this evening with my husband. And I've been, one of the reasons why I've been a bit Kind of quieter than usual is i 've been writing my book because mm. lockdown has given me this opportunity to really dig into the research and write chapters i 've been writing my chapter at the minute about um, h- how uh, cybersecurity has a bit of an identity crisis in the terms mm. of the language that it uses and I'm, and so i've been and i won 't go into detail because we can save that for another time and and the listeners can buy my book to find <laughs> out quite frankly. <laughs> Um, but, <laughs> but I'm I'm out for a walk and I'm talking. I'm going. So it's this and and you know I'm trying to find examples um, of such and such a thing of of you know how cybercrime is always referred to as a new thing. But every time I find something, it's from a law enforcement agency that I don't want to burn my bridges with and I don't want to throw them under a bus and this that and the other. Right? And he was very very quiet. I said, "Are you okay?" He said, "Yeah. You're just really
0: boring." <laughs> we do
1: we do recognize that all the cybers are not for everybody it's but true. equally look uh, the cyber community the cyber security the information security the data protection community have really rallied round to keep each other going oh, yeah. um, and to have touch points to to you know have webinars this that and the other that's brilliant but you know, some of these forums and they, you know, they're very, very well intentioned are running webinars every day, oh, you know, and you wouldn't normally <laughs> if you were going out yeah. to conferences, you wouldn't normally see all of these people all of the time. You wouldn't normally always be on duty to do a talky bit, you know, mm. and, and what I've found, I've got to the stage where sometimes I'm doing like two or three of these things a day. Oh wow yeah. And then you and then you get to the point where you think, right, I actually haven't done any of my work <laughs> today. <laughs> so so as much as I'm very very appreciative of all of the lovely people that are organizing these things and I definitely don't want to lose an opportunity to, to kind of shoot my mouth off about the stuff that I think is interesting. <laughs> Guys, you all need to calm down a little bit.
0: Well, it's like anything, right? They're trying to find, I think, the new normal, um, as they call it, right? I think we're just trying to find the balance of you know getting the content out there, feeling like they're not able to do the face-to-face meetings that they were. My gosh, think of all that dinner budget that's being wasted right now. I mean, there's usually a lot of fancy dinners that would have been had by this right. point in the year, you know? So now they're, they're doing, um, I don't know if you're having a lot of this. I seem to get, I would say at least three times a week now an invite to something or other where they're willing to send me either a dinner voucher or a drinks voucher, or even like a mixed drinks kit thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I've, I've not taken any, I've taken, I take that back. I took one of them up and, um, it was, um, one of the recent awards things, and I had helped and participated. It was so cute, right? It was really cool. It comes with all the little bottles and all the little mixer that things.
1: Was, yeah, <laughs> th- I was I was at that one as well, and I have to say that's the one that I really really enjoyed because, quite frankly, yeah, getting sent lovely free cocktails, I'm fine <laughs> with. But I have been invited to virtual dinners, right, where you get sent the dinner, and you sit there on Zoom, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know and and this is this is the bit which i'm i'm not sure it works very well for me is um when you are thrust into a room and sat next to somebody, it's fine, isn't it? Because you've got to talk and you've got to get on with people. But if you're sat there on Zoom, the temptation to just turn your camera off is just really (laughs)
0: quite difficult. And especially if you're like me, like my absolute favorite thing to do is just completely eat without talking to anyone, right? I mean, even as a child, like when I was a child, my favorite thing to do was read a book and eat in silence. I mean, I used to get told off so often by my parents. You know, My dad in particular absolutely hated it um but yeah having did, a family did everybody now. <laughs> else have to be silent was it like could everybody be quiet now i was i didn't even hear them like once i was lost in the book you know didn't oh, matter who nice. I was with yeah yeah but uh, i don't get that luxury now i've three kids but yeah so that it would be really difficult for me i think on zoom yeah because the tendency would be to sort of zone out from that and like do your own thing while you enjoy a lovely meal <laughs> I know it's like um, I'm just catching up on Netflix
1: sorry <laughs> I'm on I'm iPlayer um so uh, so but I think we perhaps should take the opportunity to remind all of our colleagues that um you don't have to be seen every day there is there is a bit of a feeling at the moment isn't there that there are so many events going on that you have to show your face at and yeah. and I think it's it's we while we're trying to find this new normal we're all trying to strike a balance as well about what is the right amount of external events yeah. to be involved in from home and what's a bit too much and mm. and to be totally honest with you and the listeners you know a, about a month back I would say I had loads of deadlines for research and we had a rash didn't we like two or three weeks of just bang 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 event after event after event yeah yeah and i'd kind of got to the point where i'd been working weekends i think for about six weekends in a row Ugh. and i hadn't i'd completely lost my headspace now i have things that i can do i go for a walk i go for a run these are the things that you know make me happy but i got to the point where i was so busy that i wasn't able to switch my brain off yeah and so i knew i'd kind of hit a wall and it was time to start really really saying no to things
0: absolutely um
1: but it it's tough, and I know that there are lots of there are some of our super great mates who we've had on the podcast who you know we see tweeting and saying, "Look, it feels like everyone's trying to get a pound of flesh out of me." Yeah. Um, so I think so just to kind of reassure everybody that yes we've we've been feeling that way as well. Yeah. It's absolutely okay to start saying no to people now, just because you're available doesn't mean that you're not allowed your own time. And all of that time that, you know, but all of that time that you and I would have had traveling to go and speak somewhere, sitting on a train and just having our heads full of nothing or full of a a nice audio book, that has been compromised, I think, to a certain extent.
0: Well, that's what I mean. So it's definitely felt like there's, there's a a significant blurring between, you know, at work time and not at work time. And that's, you know, with being in the house to work all day, every day. And again, it's, you know, this is very specific, obviously, to the kind of jobs that we're in. Obviously, there's loads of people that aren't in their homes, you know, we're not talking about those folks, very specific and selfish to, to our situations. Um, but yeah, one of the things I'm like you about maybe, <clears throat> maybe two months ago now, I sort of just hit a bit of a brick wall and I was like, Oh, do you know what? This isn't fun. Like I'm mm. not, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I feel like I'm not adding any value any, in anywhere. And that to me is the worst, right? I've constantly, I don't even know what imposter syndrome was until like a year ago, but I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. So I'm constantly always questioning that anyway. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, to sort of hit a wall with just the fatigue of it all, mm-hmm. and and I know that's about the time that you and I um, had that big long catch up, you know, where we just chatted, we got on the the horn, and we just chatted, and um, yeah, that was exactly it to a T. It was just feeling like <clears throat> I don't, I don't have the joy in it. You know, I always joke mm-hmm. about like I do all of this stuff because I don't have any real hobbies. Like cybersecurity is my <laughs> hobby, and that's always been true. And then. Yeah. Yeah, that that like couple of months ago, and so for me, I was like, okay, number one, I know it's okay to feel like this. Like I've learned that the hard way because I've been burnout before. I've you know gone through the whole, like I went through this whole crazy like workout thing about ten years ago because I was so burnout. I'm not doing that again. Let me tell you, burnout's never getting that bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, hang on. Right. So you so you 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 got to burnout. So you decided you were gonna work out like crazy to yeah. get through burnout
0: <laughs> yeah well i had to do something because i don't know if anybody else has ever experienced it but it was like i couldn't get out of my own head like i just mm. was miserable and the only thing that was helping me was to get out and just wear myself out you know physically so got it at the time, I lived closer to the Greenwich area. It was when I was a lot newer in England, and I was like, you know, stupid American throwing a lot of money at where I was living because I didn't know any better. And so I was in the Greenwich area. And so I would run up and down the hills in Greenwich Park. And, and that's, uh, some, that's some thats hill, I've got to I, tell you. Let me tell you, I got pretty good at it, but I sure as heck couldn't do it now. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> But for me, that was a way of tackling it. And so, yeah, whenever it sort of started happening a couple of months ago, I was like, ah, oh, I kind of remember what this feels like. Yeah, And so that was about the time, yeah, you and I chatted and was like, yeah, we need to talk about this because I think we c- potentially come across sometimes as like, you know, maybe always sort of perky and silly and goofy, but, you know, loving cybersecurity and all that stuff. And I think for you and I to kind of go, man, cybers is just tough right now. (laughs) Yeah. We feel like saying no to a lot of things right now. I think that's cool to be able to share with people. And I think you need to be sure that you're in a job where you feel like you can have that conversation in the workplace as well. And I think that's where a lot of people run into challenges because they don't feel that support in the workplace and um, so yeah, and,
1: and you know, it's 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 relevant slightly to, um, or it's making me think about some of the things I've been writing this week, right? So, there's this whole thing around um, cybersecurity's image problem. I don't think it's it's terribly problematic, but it is a bit confusing, right? Because you've got all of the military terminology and talking about being, you know, defenders, and I've been analysing um, a, a couple of the more, let's say, egregious antivirus advertisements, right? And mm. one of them talks about being you know the defenders of the universe and like it's kind of superhero characters (laughs) so you've got all the military stuff you've got all of the you know cybercrime is evolving all the time so you need to be fast to keep up you know and I think and I think actually if you work in the environment maybe there is that slight feeling of well we've got to be overachieving all the time um we've got to be superhuman we've got to be more superhuman than the next person in the next sector. And that's no disrespect to other sectors. It's just that there is that kind of feeling of you, particularly because we big up the threats, right? The industry bigs up the threats. Government bigs up the threats. And and not in an ill-intentioned way, but because, you know, it's quite problematic and it's quite harmful and you've got to try and convince people of how problematic it is. So we do tend to use words like catastrophic and devastating for the impact so it's like we're flipping Superman, you know, <laughs> trying to stop the meteorite from hitting the Earth. Or well, that's that's how we portray ourselves. Um, and so when we're not overachieving and being superhuman all the time, there's perhaps it, it can feel really tough, you know, that we're not. What do you mean? My brain's only elastic to a certain extent. What do you mean? I I need to have you know six hours sleep a night. Yeah. I thought I was. I thought I was tougher than this, you know. And there is. We've talked a little bit before about there perhaps being a a kind of a sense of uh, machismo in the industry. Maybe it's not, and th- there is that certainly, but maybe it's not just that. Maybe it's also that if you work in cyber, you're defending the universe, and, and defending yeah. the universe is quite stressful. And actually, you can't nod off on the job.
0: <laughs> that's it to a T. There's definitely, I think, a certain um, heroic element to it. You know, mm. I think a lot of people are drawn into cybersecurity because they want to, you know, contribute to something that's good. Uh, I mean, I, for myself, you know, originally I thought I would be a police officer. My dad was a police officer. I thought, you know, that looks awesome. I want to take care of people. And then I basically discovered, no, too gory and potentially horrible. And I can't deal with that. I'm a way too tenderhearted. So I am. Um, yeah. Then when I discovered, you know, cybersecurity for me, that was like a way to transfer sort of all of that feeling of I want to try and protect people. You know into something but that really resonates what you were saying because for example working for socks and building socks for 10 years You know, you have that feeling day in and day out in that type of environment for sure. And it's exciting. My my gosh, is it exciting, Mm. right? You have the adrenaline pumping. You have the, this is why everyone complains about, you know, new incident handlers and the whole chicken little syndrome, right? It's like the slightest little thing drops in the old bit bucket and everyone's right around going, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the seasoned hardened handlers, you know, are just a bit more calm, cool and collected. But the thing then that I discovered over time is those seasoned veterans, they're still there because they love it. They still seek in that same sort of, you know, adrenaline rush, almost like a cyber junkie. And, um, I think to your earlier point around, you know, just sort of getting tired over the long slog of it all, I think through COVID and through everything that's happened with COVID because we don't, and we've not had an end date, we don't know how long this is going on for. Mm-hmm. And as we started, you know, from March, <clears throat> and we started with um, a sort of a, I think, a thought in people's heads that, okay, it's going to be a few weeks and it's going to be really miserable. And then a few weeks stretched into some, you know, undetermined amount of time with, with a, a horizon that was not visible at all. And, and I think a lot of people just started to, <clears throat> yeah, they just got a, a bit disheartened maybe by the whole Ooh, thing. So this is good. So firstly... Uh, you can't see, but I
1: did my little squee face because you said seasoned <laughs> veterans. And I've just written that phrase in my book chapter today, <laughs> seasoned veterans, because somebody, somebody who we're not going to name them, but they're a, a threat intelligence company um, and cybersecurity company have published a threat report um, this a couple of months back where um, they describe their methodology, and it's basically all just really kind of militaristic martial language oh, that they're wow. doing. That seasoned veterans are doing hand to hand combat with cyber threats and stuff. Which, of course, they're not, because oh that my. means that you're hitting a server with a stick, <laughs> you know. Um, but but it's just it's really really interesting kind of kind of martial kind of almost like kind of ancient trojan
0: heroes stuff which wow, is, that's is the whole yeah. art of the bloody war isn't it it's the whole sun Tzu yeah. crap oh yeah totally.
1: To i haven't you've got that in
0: come on man put some sun Tzu in there you're gonna disappoint me
1: <laughs> excellent that's that's always you know that was my that was my pre-read for my intelligence analysis training when I, when I started with the police, yeah. Um, oh. So you, you mentioned about being disheartened, and you sent me something really interesting the other day about this, acedia, right, which is yes, how we would pronounce it yes, yes, in English. Yes. Now, can I do my little, I'm going to do my little ancient Greek nerd bit, if you don't oh like, mind, because I have. there we go. And, I, and I'm not lying to, to the listeners. If, if you want, I will take a photo of this. I'm sat here with my Greek-English lexicon, Edited by Little and Scott, which is the one that I have had since I was at school. I think. Hang on a second. Yes, Victoria Baines, Brighton College. Right, so that's a, that's a bit of personal data you can misuse against me. I
0: sort of right. Was like, plug that into the calculators. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he said, plug that into the calculators, scientific <laughs> calculator, mind. Um, <laughs> so, Acedia, which would have been pronounced acadia. Right in ancient no. Greek, but but wasn't strictly speaking a word until early Christianity. But Achaides comes from Homer, right? And at the end of Homer's Iliad, which of course you know very very well, Beck. Oh yes, very well um, indeed. At the end of Homer's Iliad, right? And I don't want to spoil it for you, right? <laughs> um, but Hector, the Trojan hero, gets killed, and he's he's left unburied. Right. And the word that is used to describe them is a care dares, uncared for, unburied. And what it comes mm. to be in Christianity is someone who doesn't really look after themselves. Mm. Mm. So Acidia, you sent me this fantastic article, which we should share with the listeners probably about yeah, acidia. Tell us all about it, Beck.
0: Well, the thing that drew me to it is because I stumbled across the word, and and I hope I sent you how I found it because I don't remember, and we should give credit how I found it if it was gone. was from someone else. You (laughs) you definitely sent me a link to an article (laughs) that we can credit. Okay, good. Um, So, yeah, I I stumbled across the article, and um, it caught my attention because we had just had that conversation, well, just, maybe a couple weeks prior, we'd had the conversation. And the thing that drew me in is that it meant, um, or, or the sort of definition they were speaking to, was kind of this sort of amorphous it wasn't quite laziness it wasn't like slothful it wasn't like you don't care it was sort of like this in between to me in between feeling of of more than like laziness or apathy mm. it was it was like a like being listless about your sort of career or or just not feeling engaged and and to me that's it was the exact definition of how i was feeling at the time um so yeah that's sort of what i took away and i was like oh my god i must send this to vic she'll love it it's a geeky word
1: yeah and and so from what i understand from the article it was used most often in monastic culture so in monasteries where you know particularly in silent orders where you were stuck in your cell just staring at four walls and contemplating yeah. your own thoughts for most of the day
0: yeah
1: then that is where that feeling of of listlessness set in and I for me it's also a restlessness right so I get to a certain point in my day um where I can't focus quite as well as I would like right um and so we were in touch earlier today weren't we because I confess to you that I have a little dance break mid-afternoon now. And this is precisely to combat that feeling of that that kind of listlessness, that restlessness where the fatigue sets in because I've been staring at the screen for, you know, six hours. And I think, right, my brain's not quite as quick and my fingers aren't quite as quick as I would like them to be. And as, as they were at nine o'clock this morning, so (laughs) I pop I pop my Spotify on and I have a little boogie <laughs> mainly to – so today it was um, – I, and I would I would urge everybody, and not that I'm um, anything to do with the band Friendly Fires, but I would encourage you to listen to Sleep Talking because it just – you want to get your legs moving. Things like um, pop music by M, that's a proper boogie. Southern Freeze um, – so, so I'm, I'm quite a fan of late 70s uh, disco and early 80s British soul. You know, have that, five or ten minutes, little bit of – it's only like going to a Zumba class, but without the risk of infection. Um, <laughs> have a little dance, and then it just kind of – it snaps you out. So that's – the you know, the, the book and the app is out for Christmas. Vic Baines's, um <laughs> listlessness – uh, a diet see, and workout
0: regime. Should call it the, <laughs> the acedia dance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did, so I can confirm that this is a true thing indeed. So basically Vic did send me a message earlier. She said, I'm having a little mid-afternoon boogie, and I was like video proofer. It didn't happen. And so <laughs> <laughs> what, what should appear approximately four minutes later as I'm on a call, I might add. So thanks Oh, for good. That. Oh, I'm yeah, pleased bo- about that boss, if you happen to be listening, it it wasn't your call. Um, uh, you, you had me laughing my socks off because you were, you were, you were just having yourself a proper little dance and video and yourself to be, you should just stick that straight on TikTok. I mean, you're good to go now, really.
1: Oh yeah. So that's another thing about working from home. I'll send you a video where I've got absolutely (laughs) no makeup on. But I'm not sticking it out there. I'm sorry. I'm just not. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, we talk about these feelings having been, you know, hundreds of years old. But also, I don't know about you, but I when I have those feelings of, oh, you know, I'm a bit it, – it's like the kind of the half-term holiday from school where you were bored but you didn't want to do anything, you know. And, and my grandmother, my nan, she used to have this phrase – when she didn't feel quite right she would say and I didn't know where to put myself oh I like it as yeah. in I didn't know whether to stand up or sit down or go and do this or go and do something else and that listlessness I always have that voice in my head of oh Victoria you don't know where to put yourself <laughs>
0: That's true, though, and I think that's it. And again, it goes back to the fact that we're all caught. I mean, everyone's making the joke around Groundhog Day. It is, it is Groundhog Day. You know, we're getting up, we're doing this probably a, a bulk of us the same things over and over again, mm-hmm. and you don't have an end in sight. And I think um, to you know to reiterate the point because I think this is what you and I really wanted to try and chat to folks about on the podcast today was that it's okay to feel like that. You know, we, yeah. we think that we're not that special to feel like that. And no one else feels like that. So I think the thing we sort of took away is, okay, probably a lot of people feel like that. And we just wanted to call it out and talk about it so that if you are going through that, you, you are feeling acedia. Uh, what, what would the, is it an adverb for how you're feeling? Is it the probably, for- probably acedious. No, I'm a little bit assidious. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like you should mix that in a cocktail shaker and come out with a really good drink at the end of it. i got to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're being a bit silly about all of this, but we had quite a, a sensible conversation when we did speak about it originally. I mean, you say
1: we're being a bit silly. So, you know, the things that I don't say are the ones that save me, you know, because I was thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder, a seed here would probably be a little bit floral, wouldn't it? A bit like aniseed. You see... And actually, and in all seriousness, one of my problems has been that I I have a brain that thinks like that, that does the whole kind of word association stuff. And so at four o'clock in the morning... I am thinking about, oh, God, I've left that word out of, of that bit of chapter two where I'm talking about the U.S. national security strategies. I can't believe I forgot about it. Should I get up now and put it <laughs> in? Because it's going to bug me, isn't it? And then so I've had weeks and weeks of my, my brain waking me up and firing all, all cylinders thinking about things like, what does a cedar smell like? <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure there's a, a drink you could take for that. Vic. <laughs> I, I'd like to assure the listeners I'm taking it right now. Um, so, and, and, and I think there's, and you know, we've been talking about. Well, we should talk about certain cyber security incidents that are topical and certain cyber crime trends. And I think it it also kind of attenuates us it keeps us on high alert doesn't it in a sense that some of the stuff that's been happening in the cyber world in in lockdown has has appeared particularly unpleasant and actually to some extent i do think that's the media representation of it i think it's kind of sensationalizing some of the things that have been happening like the um you know the the um ransomware attacks on hospitals and things like that you know, these are by and large just the normal ransomware attacks that happen to everybody. They happen to have happened to hospitals at a time when we really need hospitals not to be having any downtime. And and yeah. and so it's unfortunate, um, but we're also kind of having our attention distracted by really, really bad things happening also in the cyber world.
0: Um, and so it kind of feels like there's only bad news at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, (laughs) I think, perfectly indicative of this. And and the only reason I know is because it's something I've been tracking at work. But um, we had seven straight months of Microsoft releasing um, on Patch Tuesday, right? Mm. Um, um, Patches, 100 plus um, fixes you right. know, seven months in a row. We only finally dipped down this last month um, and we dipped down to, I think it was 87, if I'm remembering the number correctly. So yeah, it's just all a bit overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just, <laughs> and then like you said, you add sort of that, um, media hype on top of it and the media, you know, bless them, they've got a job to do, right? They, mm-hmm. and, and they help us a lot. So they help to educate the public. I think yeah. that the the media shining a light on these things and the awareness that they've raised as a result of that, you know, helps us whenever it comes time to getting the necessary attention and visibility on how do we protect, you know, our customers, both internal and external protect their data. It raises it up to a whole new level of board visibility. You know, it's doing good things for the industry, Um, But again, to the point that we were chatting about earlier, um, it it sometimes is just, again, a bit uh, overwhelming with the cybers in terms of all of the words, all of the time, you know? Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. and I I think some things have just started (coughs) to perhaps come to the fore, things that those of us who've worked in the space for a few years kind of knew were probably already happening but just hadn't been identified. So... Thinking about the ransomware attacks on the hospitals and a lot has been made and, and you know, quite rightly so of the fact that the German federal police, the, the BKA, they launched a, a homicide investigation um, yes. yeah. into um, the incident at the hospital in Dusseldorf where a woman died Uh, because she wasn't able to be admitted to hospital because they'd suffered a ransomware attack, right? That appears to be what's being reported at the minute. Anyway, I'm sure the BKA will get to the bottom of it. That was reported as, you know, first death as a result of a cyber attack or first death as a result of ransomware. Look, those of us who've worked in this space will know that probably people have died before as a result of, particularly ransomware attacks uh, affecting healthcare providers. and certainly people's operations and medical procedures have been disrupted, and certainly um, there will have been a risk of an increase in morbidity as a result of those council procedures, yeah. but reporting it now, and they 've got to report it as it happens, of course, but reporting it now when we 're in a pandemic, when you know we're all on the on the front line, so to speak of you know a, a deadly disease just makes it feel that much more immediate and much more scary. And I think it's really important. I think we've all got a duty in the industry to put all of this stuff in perspective, not hype it up right now and just say, well, actually, ransomware attacks happen on hospitals all the time. There are some really basic things that hospitals can do to protect themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And likewise, you know, with all the stuff that's going on in um, academic institutions at the moment, you know, we had the the blackboard ransomware a, a few months back and we've you know seen some more information about what data was put at risk in the last few weeks um you know it's it's really bad because these are non-profit targets for a, a lot of them you know it's charities it's universities and shout out to the students because my you know my heart really goes out to the students particularly those in their first years who've gone up to university Um, and found themselves locked in, in lockdown in many cases. And then, you know, if their university suffered a ransomware attack, they're also locked out of their networks to some degree, you know. oh yeah. So this has all been a huge false start for them, bless them, away from home for the first time in in many cases. So it's really distressing stuff at at an individual level. Um, But even more so in those situations, we have a responsibility to just as much as possible report the facts, deal with the facts and
0: and not kind of hype it up when everybody's already on a state of high alert. That's it. That's it to a T. Not to overhype these things, right? And I think that's the balance that we are tasked with trying to achieve in security in general. I mean, one of the reasons we have the acronym, you know, for FUD—Fear, Uncertainty, and Doubt—is mm-hmm. because that is a common tactic. You know, that that tactic's been deployed for years and years, and will continue to be deployed. You know, as a way to get attention, um, to try and get budget, obviously, to to hopefully, you know. I guess, bring about security controls and security measures. Um, But to the point that you just made as well, one of the things that, I definitely think we should all challenge ourselves to do is to figure out how to find that balance, find that fine line where we can talk about the reason that, for example, if we have urgency around a risk or we have, Mm -hmm. you know, a desperate need for a type of control, again, based on a prioritization uh, or, or an understanding of a possible materialization of a risk, you know, then I think we need to be able to do so. In, um, in a way that is reasonable and plain spoken and helps to manage and set those expectations. Um, and there are, you know, there are some great people doing that in our industry. There's some great voices actually doing that in the industry as well. So one of the ones that springs to mind, as soon as you said that, um, um, Gossy the dog on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Kevin Beaumont, he's fantastic about that. So he has done a lot of great work around, you know, he'll see something that's sort of getting spun up and um he'll take it back to the basics you know and he'll um point out you know either where it's either happened before or why it's not as severe or he'll even you know if it is severe then he will raise the flag, but he doesn't sort of do it where it's like, you know, wavy arms, all alerts flying, you know, (laughs) and I really respect that. You know, I think it's great where people have that sort of ability to be able to sort of, like I said, take a plain spoken approach to helping others understand potential risk and, and possible harm.
1: You just made me think about the Elmo on fire meme. <laughs> that's the wavy arms.
0: Yeah, the wavy arms. And, uh, <laughs> and,
1: yeah, and then, so one of the things, and this is going back to the stuff that I've been writing about the last few weeks, is you know one of the things, that some of the most egregious examples are the ones that kind of freak you out about something and go, oh, my God, ransomware. But then don't tell you as an individual citizen what you can do about it. Yes. Oh, you know, they just yeah. say this This yeah. bad thing has happened and here's yes. how we explain what's happened. And, you know, of course, in some cases with some of the, let's say, less scrupulous industry voices on these things, they will whip you up into a frenzy. And And you see this particularly in some of the adverts that I've been analysing for their rhetoric, right? Yeah. They whip yeah. you up into a frenzy and then the switch is not, but all you need to do is do this and do that and learn about, you know, how to defend yourself against these threats. The consumer angle is, you know, the cyber is a terrible place. So buy this thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. All, you now- don't
1: need to understand it. Just buy the thing.
0: Well, I think that's sort of the curse of our industry, isn't it? There's so much of that, unfortunately, that still um, permeates. You know what we do to this day, and and it's talked about a lot. Of the, there's definitely a lot of our industry that are aware of that. A lot of people, I think, are aware of that, but people still get sucked into it. And mm-hmm. I think where you find folks that get sucked into it is where you have small to medium businesses, in particular. You know, they can't necessarily afford the staff um, um, to have the the security expertise, right? The SMEs on board, or they're running with, you know, maybe a couple of sort of IT folks and then the IT folks get stuck, you know, being security SMEs as well, or they're having to outsource and they're having to sort of pick, you know, outsourcing um, providers and capabilities, again, based on, you know, rhetoric and advertisements and who's got the shiniest, blingiest, what's it that can, you know, do all things for all people. And um, it's hard. I mean, that those are hard things to do. And this is where we We're just not succeeding in security as a whole. And then again, going back to feeling tired, right? You just always have to be on the lookout for trying to balance what's the right thing to do with a limited budget, the right budget, right? With the limited resource or the right resource. And then again, right now in COVID times, it's doing it what feels like in this Groundhog Day loop. You know, you're just getting up and doing it all over again, um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, we've talked this to death, haven't we? Sorry, I didn't really mean to, no, but, no, no,
1: but, it's, <laughs> but it, I think it, it, it kind of gets us closer to thinking about what might work. And that's, that's kind of what I've been really exercised with the, the last few days is it's all very well. Of me to point the finger and say, "Oh, look at the industry it's scaring all the people," you know. And and I think we've probably, I've certainly done a really, really good job on this podcast of ensuring that we never get sponsored by anybody <laughs> in industry. Thinking
0: that as well. I was like, <laughs> geez. If you could ever tell that there were two idiots who did not know how to actually run a podcast, this is it. <laughs> yes,
1: we're, we're we're many things players. We ain't. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah so it's just it's a good job we do this for fun really isn't it absolutely yeah I mean you know I love the laughs that's why I'm here
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I do think I do think you know we're I do feel we're at an inflection point here because Yes there's lots of people breaking lockdown. Yes there's lots of people who are smashing each other's faces in because they don't want to wear masks and we've seen the kind of the worst examples of that on on social media and and you know the videos of of people being idiots. But it's an extraordinary global effort in getting people to take responsibility for public health and mm. for protecting themselves and others. And I do think it's an, it's an extraordinary opportunity to get people thinking about that in terms of cyber, not just in terms of you know, physical infection. Yeah. It might not be the time now. Yeah. <laughs> people have got a lot on their plates. There's a lot well, going on. <laughs> but it just shows that you can t- give people enough information and they will protect themselves. A lot of them will. So this, this perception that we've always had that, oh, people are always the weakest link in security and they're idiots and they need protecting from themselves. I don't necessarily think that. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. But equally, we don't explain cyber well enough to people.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. You know, when the general public is still confused over what they can and can't click on in their email, and we still have literally, I'm sure thousands of people worldwide, you know, losing their money, losing. Actually, do you know what? I was, I had to run to the shop earlier and, um, you you can still run. (laughs) I do. Okay. I drove to the shop. Let's be clear. Um, so, okay, is that an Americanism? I ran to the shop, but anyway, so I ran to the shop earlier and at the checkout, you, I don't hang mean, on, hang on a second. You're telling me that all Americans are lying when they say that they ran to the shop, they actually drove to the shop. I mean, you've seen Americans. So I think, you know, I love, I
1: love all the Americans. Um, I sounded like Trump then, didn't I? I love all the
0: Americans. Some of my best friends are Americans. Oh, don't you dare. (laughs) Sorry, don't don't even break. Let me finish my story. Sorry. 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 (laughs) No, I was just going to make the point. And this shows how common it is. So I went to pay and you know being fancy of course i used a contactless on my mm-hmm. phone because that's how fancy oh I that am.
1: is quite fancy
0: yeah uh, well the uh, the checkout um, lady the till person um, she she was like oh that's very technical oh I'm too scared of that I my husband and I lost our life savings we were saving for our house and it was stolen from us through um, someone you know stole all of our money oh <laughs> I know thirty thousand pounds had been taken I basically they had to stand there for ten minutes and hear the whole story but oh lesser yeah lesser. 30,000 pounds stolen from them because of, um, an email, um, mm-hmm. basically ripoff and yeah, she, you know, clicked things and entered things and yeah, they lost all their money. And so it just goes to show you that, well, that still happens to people that, it, you know, are just trying to use these tools on a day to day basis. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. And so we have to, (laughs) coming back full circle again, we've got to just deal with the fatigue when it comes. We've got to roll with it. And we've got to keep doing the job that we're doing, you know, there are so many people that are counting on all of us to continue to help secure data, help secure companies, help try to educate others, you know, open our big mouths as much as we make jokes about yeah. it and, and continue to try and, and share and illuminate and enumerate all the dangers that are out there.
1: And and can I close on a, you know, a slightly more frivolous note to to remind the listeners of the Cyberbanes workout regime? <laughs> So you know, one way of coping with all of this is to have yourself a little boogie mid afternoon.
0: I think it sounds great. Definitely, I would recommend something like "Staying Alive." Staying Alive. Always. I mean, you cannot oh, go wrong with a good no, boogie. No, no, exactly. Staying Alive. Do you sing along? Do you do the Do you do the high bits that Robin Gibb used to do? Absolutely, but I mean, you know, I'm obviously just by myself. So, <laughs> but you do, but you do all three bits that the Bee Gees used to do. That's quite impressive. Like You're a, a prodigy. Oh yes, yes a prodigy in my own mind.
1: <laughs> she's in she's in harmony with herself. <laughs>
0: Do you do
1: uh, yeah, little bit of the yeah. I've got the strutting in my head now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you ever tape record yourself as a child? So I thought I was a fantastic singer when I was probably about ten years old. And uh, back in the days when we had to tape record ourselves, so singing along to the radio, it's just like I'm amazing. And then I played it back, and I've never been more (laughs) devastated in my whole life to hear how horrible I sounded.
1: (laughs) Well, as you know, I was a precocious child. And I'm a precocious adult, and so I I do sing. So I'd like to think, I'd like to yeah, think, you're probably that, amazing. That my musical self is is not terrible. However, um, I went to the bakery the other day, and um, I suddenly realised I was a woman of a certain age when I went into the bakery, and they were playing Sheena Easton. Right <laughs> now, you won't know Sheena Easton. It's of a very specific. I know she, I know do Sheena Easton Oh, of course is. she yeah. was. She of course because she was getting a bit fruity with Prince at one point, wasn't yeah, she?
0: Yeah, everybody knows Sheena Easton. But, Come you,
1: on. but do you know Sheena Easton before she was that person with the big hair later in the 80s? I,
0: well, I don't know. I mean, how much before the 80s are we talking about?
1: <laughs> because she was just she was some sweet little girl from Scotland. Who, Probably I, kind of, I, I love the fact that this is meant to be a cybersecurity podcast, and I'm, I've hijacked it, and I'm talking about schooner Easton. As usual, but she did. She did um, songs like "Modern Girl" and stuff. And 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 I, when I was very small, I used to um, play kind of make believe games with my granddad, who was a copper and very very good at make believe. Right, and I used to pretend to be two people. The first one was Wonder Woman. <laughs> so I was Linda Carter and I used to spin around until I felt sick. And That's- then the other one was Sheena Easton. Brilliant. And I was and I was singing like Sheena Easton and uh, thank God we didn't have camcorders or any kind of handheld video equipment <laughs> in Lancashire in the Late seventies, early
0: eighties, because otherwise, that's (laughs) that's a great loss to the world. I feel like you didn't. That truly, truly, we must shed a tear collectively for that loss.
1: And some days, I was both Wonder Woman and Sheena Easton, and that gives you an indication of quite how multi-talented I was as a child.
0: (laughs) I definitely. I I can relate to the Wonder Woman component to that, but mm. see, I never wanted to be Wonder Woman because I hated her outfit. I was like, "What? You can't fight proper superheroes wearing that ridiculous that's, outfit." That's
1: so- very <laughs> true. That's very true. Oh, well, that's. It's, I mean, and and I'll be honest with you. At forty seven minutes, it's it's that's a whole other discussion
0: about cultural stereotyping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Really, there.
0: We, sh- we should probably just end on that rather um, pre- um not so progressive past of ours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man.
0: Oh, absolutely brilliant catching up with you, Vic. And to all of the folks who have, you know, been waiting so patiently. Um, at least hopefully now you understand. We we we've not fallen out. We hadn't forgotten you. We've just we've just been a bit um a <laughs>
1: Assiduous, yeah. Or, as um, as popular, popular culture likes to term it, a bit meh.
0: Yes, a bit meh. But you know what? We're feeling pumped now, aren't we? I think we're, we're seeing a bit of light at the end of the talk. To- hey, there's a 90% chance Pfizer's got an amazing uh, new drug out there for mm. everyone. It's very exciting. Half of the UK may or may not get in approximately 9 to 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how It's happens. the land of
1: opportunity, isn't it? Um, but also, did you, did you hear that it, it gives you quite a bad hangover, apparently, the symptoms? What, so it's not different than any other Friday night in this yep. country? So I'm, think, I'm thinking the way to go is just get absolutely wasted. Right. <laughs> but not that we encourage the kids to drink. Absolutely that, not. That would be quite a, you know.
0: Wasted uh, on tea, that's what you meant, wasn't absolute,
1: it? Absolutely wasted on tea, yes. Oh
0: dear. Oh well on that note I think we should definitely shut up now. <laughs> um
1: it was very, very nice to um metaphorically see I'm doing all the literary stuff at the minute. Figuratively. Uh see and hear you all. As, why you didn't why the rest of you didn't talk very much, I don't know. Maybe we just
0: dominated the airwaves again back. Wow. Well, just, nobody ever gets a bloody word in edgewise with us. That's the problem. That's why yeah. we had to have our own podcast, if you will <laughs>
1: Well, un- until next time, then. Which I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be as long as it has been, to be honest with you. But until next time, just be Indeed. patient, will you? Oh, um, a plug for uh, pet portraits by Hercule. We need to do, oh, we need to plug pet portraits by Hercule,
0: don't we? That's brilliant. But you should tell the Americans it's spelt with an H in the front of it, otherwise oh. they'll never find H- it. Hercule. <laughs> Hercule, he's the chappy that does all the
1: deliberately terrible. Uh, drawings of pets for charity he's raised um at the time that we're recording he's raised twenty five thousand pounds for his local homeless charity
0: um and you can you can
1: find his facebook page and honestly in terms of self-care um i would say that guy's portraits have also got me through the last few weeks because (laughs) i have been i have been laughing uncontrollably at some of those pet
0: portraits they're absolutely brilliant Oh, that's amazing. I Do you know what? I'm sorry. I know we're trying to finish, but you've reminded me. I should probably plug something as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll take a quick minute. So one of the things I did get, um, um, I, I was fortunate to be told about and asked if I wanted to participate by creating a video for it. But there's um, a campaign out there called Computers for Kids. And so the the good folks over at Seed um, are, uh, have created this and they're running with it. But really looking to get funds to help um, children in the UK specifically right now, but to get access to computing, um, you know, capabilities so that they can, you know, do their schoolwork, stay in touch with their peers, stay in touch with their teachers. Um, especially as we go through this time. And so, yeah, check it out if you get a chance. Um, I actually just got a copy of my video back today. They've they've, um, added bits and bobs, you know, around front and back of it. And uh, so I'll send out a link shortly as well. But definitely check out Computers for Kids. Um, If you're looking to help out, your company maybe is looking, you know, to, to offload. If you've got any kit you're looking to, you know, try and do something great with. Um, computers for children. And again, yeah, the the, the great folks over at Seed are back in that. And I will send out a, a LinkedIn thing and a tweet thing um, on that we're one. Ta- as well. We're
1: talking about things like, you know, if your company's just upgraded their laptops, but the
0: other ones are kind of all right. I mean, it's as it. simple as that, right? That's it. Yeah, 100%. And you can find their website um, if you just Google Computers, the number four children. And um, Seed is the Society for Entrepreneurial Education and Development. And um, yeah, like I said, they're doing a lot of great work there. So it was really fantastic to get to participate. And I look forward to hopefully helping to spread the word about it.
1: And that's fantastic. And it's so important, you know, now that everybody is remote, it's so important that kids are still enfranchised, right, to ta- and can still participate in all the activities that they love and hopefully start some new ones as well, right, including
0: possibly even the cybers. That's it, the cybers. <laughs> <laughs> Although, don't let them listen to this podcast. They, we don't want them to start off downtrodden. No, but there's quite a lot of <laughs> cybers out there for them. We
1: could do. We could do with their help, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, we need their help. <laughs> and on that note, we better let we better let these people go. We um, and we will look. Thanks,
0: everybody. We will speak to you all very very soon. Bye now. Bye bye.